And welcome to Parents on Pitches podcast, where each and every week we take a film from a popular streaming uh, platform like Netflix or Amazon Prime or uh, Disney Plus, and we watch it and then come in here and review about it. Uh, my name's Damien. And I'm Andy. And Andy, what do we have this week? This week we have uh, Studio Ghibli's Spirited Away, a uh, animated um, production of, I think, our first properly animated production. Um, and I think we're going to have lots to talk about. Excellent. Now, uh, full disclosure, of course, one of the reasons that we're covering this is because we have two wonderful guests with us, and it was actually recommended by one of the guests. So this is what we're going to do. Every so often, we'll bring some, some other individuals in, and uh, we're going to allow them each and every time to recommend what film we cover. So, gents, who wants to introduce themselves first? Neither one. So first off, we'll go for let's go for let's go for the uh, the gentleman who recommended this to us in the first place, Sam. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Sam. Um, I, how do I introduce myself uh, quickly and, and uh, pithily? Um, I, I work in in uh, change management, technology change. So that's the boring part done. Um, love movies. I'm I'm a writer, um, and um, actually I have Matt to blame for my interest in anime. Um, he actually lent me. I, I can't remember whether it was Akira or Ghost in the Shell back in sixth form, and that was it. From then on, um, I was um, I was hooked. So all your fault, Matt. No, I'll take that us, one. Brings us nicely on to Matt. Matt, introduce yourself. Hi guys, cheers for having me. Um, yeah, love film. Um, big fan of of art house cinema. Um, and sci-fi um, and anime. Um, very recently bought a PlayStation and I don't have time for movies um, as much as I thought I would during this today. <laughs> um, I sat down today and then watched the movie and um, not to give anything away, but I, I must have my eyes were going a little bit. <laughs> but anyway. That's brilliant. This is one of the reasons I'm really excited to have both of you on here because Andy and I have always spoken in the past about how we're naturally drawn to like the bigger blockbuster kind of mainstream movies. You know, we watch a plenty uh, of, of sort of independent and uh, other stuff as well. But you two, you actually bring a completely different flavor in the fact that you love your art house, you love your anime. So I'm really excited for the, the difference in opinion we're going to have today. And just to confirm, you guys all know each other from school. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So you're yeah. right. All three went through school together? Mostly-ish. Okay, that's interesting. So uh, <laughs> you know each other well enough that you don't need to hold back then? Oh, yeah. Or, or there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, repressed stuff from the past that's going to spill out now <laughs> in the form of discussion. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> oh, this is going to turn into a therapy session. This is fantastic. Okay, so Spirited Away. And I'm just going to um, bring up a little synopsis here about Spirited Away. Uh, if I can read my own handwriting. Da -da -da. Oh, where is it? There it is. So, Spirited Away. Uh, at its most basic, the film allows a little girl, um, oh, sorry, follows a little girl, uh, Chihiro, on a journey to free her parents. She has to navigate the spirit world she gets trapped in by working in a bathhouse run by an overlord called Yubaba. And that is in its most in you know simple essence that is the film now uh something that i was doing in kind of my background reading is uh, spirited away itself is an actual term which i didn't realize until i started looking into this film um that it, it, it is a, a term for um uh, people who get lost in and and dragged into the spirit world which is kind of 
I suppose, very apt for this. Obviously, that's the, the English translation. Um, but it's uh, kamakakushi, or the translated is to spirited away, where a spirit will be taken away, or it's the term given to somebody who disappears very suddenly. And obviously, they believe that their spirit has been taken. Um, and so I just found that whole thing completely fascinating from the start. And this is why I like to look into the background of it. I'm not going to go into too much detail about what I thought of it at this point in time. Um, but Andy, you're usually uh, pretty good when it comes to your background. Did you find anything interesting about this before we begin? Not a whole lot, in all honesty. Um, in terms of the background of the the animator, who Sam, you may, or the the, the chap who wrote this, I, I can't for the life of me remember his name. Do you know? Uh, Miyazaki. Right. And so this guy is... is an absolute legend in the um, Studio Ghibli world, and I think beyond that too. Correct? You guys clearly know more about this than I do. This is just from a simple bit of research. I watched um, a, about a 20-minute documentary on YouTube about him and about his kind of how was this his final bit of work for Studio Ghibli? I think it was the intention was it was going to be the final piece. This was what when I did a bit of research myself that that was the plan. And then he's gone on to he's one of these people that I'm going to retire now. I'm not I'm going to make five right. more films now. I'm going to, I'm going to make 10 more films. But and, um, yeah, I, I think he is a bit of he's one of these people that you there's the the kind of the fingerprint or the inspiration will is seen across all different kind of uh, directors and people will cite his, his work. What I found fascinating was that he storyboards before he writes the plot. Mm -hmm. So he just storyboards and then continues to write and they will start filming before they've even decided to just let's, and I, for me, I was just like, I don't understand how I, everyone works differently as creatives. I just don't understand how you could start making a film without knowing where the end is. Absolutely. And obviously, yeah. What a strange process. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and from my perspective, that might make a lot of sense as to <laughs> for me, uh, trying to understand the, the story, uh, which I got lost on several times. Um, but yeah, so in terms of stuff I found out, it, it, you know, the guy who, who made this, it, this is you, know, he's legendary in this world. He's really, you know, he's probably bigger than Spielberg. You know, he's, he's a big deal. And so that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, and then I found ev almost every single thing I read about this was trying to make comparisons to um, Western stories like Alice in Wonderland or um, what was the other one? Oh, um, Yellow Brick Road. Help me out here. Uh, Thank you. Right. And um, you know, lots of you know, coming of age about these young girls kind of exploring who they are in these weird, fantastical worlds and stuff like that. So that was really interesting to read about that, those sorts of things. But other than that, I didn't come up with a whole lot. It's a very niche uh, film and, and genre in, in that sense. See, this is... Um... One of, one of the things that I think why it probably gets compared to those type of Western films is because Miyazaki himself said that he actually uh, was inspired to make this um, from the, the, the viewpoint of a 10-year-old girl. It was very much aimed at that kind of demographic because he even based the main character on um, uh, a, a young, uh, I think it was his niece or nephew, who used to come and stay with them in the summer. And that was his whole kind of inspiration behind the main character. And so it's very much from the viewpoint of the innocence of a 10-year-old uh, young girl. So 
uh, niche, maybe from our point of view. I mean, when you look at our demographic, we're all white, Western, uh, coming up to middle-aged, not there yet, but coming up to uh, middle-aged men. So we are by no means the demographic for this. So maybe we have had a, a bit of a barrier when it came to accessing what this film was actually about. Perhaps. And there's what you, you're talking then in terms of about, you know, the influences that resonates with Lewis Carroll when he was writing Alice in Wonderland, you know, that his influence of the real life Alice and writing it from her perspective. So there's lots of similarities there. So, yeah, that, that makes sense then that, that you would compare those films. Nice. Now, Sam, you recommended this. Could you give us a little bit as to why? I guess I was I was thinking about um, I guess the title of the podcast um, uh, parents on pictures and I thought sometimes often your film watching is dead is is kind of the majority of it is guided by uh, the uh, young people in your house and and sometimes they are astute and they choose wonderful things so whenever my daughter's like can we watch Wally I'm like yes definitely <laughs> we can watch Wally you know can we watch up mm, I don't know if I'm ready for the emotional gut punch you know, or, <laughs> you know so that so for me I was thinking okay so I know that I've introduced her to a couple of Studio Ghibli films and this was one that I thought I need to watch it again as a parent to see whether just because it's got PG on the on the you know on the rating whether mm. I'd actually let her watch it or would watch it with her and I should the, the context should be she's only four um oh, wow. and this is one that i would definitely not watch with her yet um that's not a critique from my perspective it's just she is by no means ready for and i think this is again some of the other studio ghibli films princess mononoke is also rated pg and has decapitation mm -hmm. and limbs being cut off and re and incredibly kind of deep themes in it and so I think, again, one of the things I enjoy about this is that, you know, maybe from a ratings perspective, you, you can, there's some big stuff going on here. So that was part of the reason that I thought, you know, what, as a parent, is this something that I would recommend to other parents to say, sit down for a nice Saturday evening with your kids and traumatize them? Um, maybe <laughs> I think traumatize is the word because there's a lot of very strong imagery in this. Matt, you want to say something? Yeah, I, I actually, uh, we're a big Studio Ghibli family. We, we, we love sitting down and watching uh, Ponyo and My Neighbour Totoro. Um, this, uh, my daughter, who is five, was bored with instantly. She didn't get a chance to, um, to be disturbed by some of the imagery and some of the themes. Um, she was bored. Uh, my my eight-year-old son, he, he endured it, but um, he, he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't enjoy it as much as I thought he would. Um, completely fair if we go back to, to the, the story being um, the, the plot being written as it was storyboard I think you can definitely tell that within the story and that, that, that surprised me I didn't, I didn't know that at all and I think that again it kind of comes through as well in the, um, in the imagery itself it's like every, it, it was in 2001 and correct me if I'm wrong but a lot of this was actually drawn by hand not by computer because obviously mm -hmm. these days animation very much driven by computer and the technology that we have and therefore things tend to get a little bit kind of thrown into the background as, as just kind of basic programming I mean I'm not an artist I'm you know I'm not a I'm not someone who knows a great deal about this from a professional standpoint but with this particular film each and every single scene is 
almost like um, a beautiful piece of art in itself. There was so much detail that mm-hmm. was given to each and every shot. I mean, there was no shortcuts. All of the backgrounds, the foregrounds, the characters were beautifully drawn and the attention to detail in all of those areas was insane. So it doesn't surprise me that, yeah, this was storyboarded first because then they would have known exactly what they wanted to show on, on the screen before they even got to the plot. And it, it's, it's very much like a moving piece of art um, that they kind of cobbled some storyline in there to make sure that it turned into an actual cohesive film. It, it's visually very striking. I really, the thing, I, I, you know, full disclosure, didn't like this film. But <laughs> what I did like about this film, and there, there is lots that I did like about it, but the visually, it is stunning. You know, And I think what you said there, it's a moving piece of artwork. That sums it up entirely. Because, it, it like you said, every scene is, it's almost like you're watching um, um, historical, almost legends from Japan be reenacted through cartoon. And it's, it is stunning. It is really impressive, especially as you know, it was done by hand. But I do think that I think I've, we've become so spoiled with animation now in 2020 that I wanted it to be a bit smoother in terms of its animation. Um, I, you know, I wanted clearer movements in mouths. I I wanted more attention to detail. And I know that that isn't part of what this genre is about, but that for me was a bit, I I struggled with that. So it's it's, it's very interesting because I think for me, maybe it's because I've seen it quite a few times and I've come back to it after not watching it for a while, but there were little kind of nuances that I sort of, even just the way that things that the the gestures that people made and I don't know whether again maybe my problem is that I'm oversaturated with Disney and this is like a cool refreshing glass of water on a hot kind of uh, parched (laughs) day of Disney so to speak Um, and even things like there's like some little scenes that I made a note on that I just thought there's a scene at the very towards the end where they're having they're having tea and one of the characters cuts through a piece of cake with a fork and to me I was just like that is exactly what that looks like but it's not it's it's animated I just felt it right then and it's interesting you say that because then yeah but maybe that's me or maybe I've got a lot more emotional kind of resonance tied in with this because of again watching this back in 2001 this being something that was like wow this is I feel like this is connected in 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 a in an interesting way um yeah well, I can give you an example um, of something that really got me. So there was one scene, I can't remember what scene it was, but there was uh, a load of people all in a row and they all had their eyebrows up. But it took me 30 seconds to work out that they were their eyebrows and not extra nostrils. Um, and I really, I was looking at them going, why have these people got nostrils on their heads? Because they've got <laughs> noses. I don't really understand it. But I was like, I'll go with it because this film is so mental that I'll... I'll go with it because it could possibly be happening. And then it, their eyebrows start moving. I was like, oh, their eyebrows, they're surprised. Right, that, right, I get it now. And so it's that sort of thing that I struggled with. 
So do we think that because of our more, I suppose, Western influence, that we would have had a bit of a struggle, um, not relating to, but accessing the art form that is being shown on the screen here? Because, you, you know, as that as an example, um, anime, manga, whatever you want to um, borrow from is not what we have been you know, traditionally raised with. And as a result, some of that might not translate. And so we might not initially resonate or, or get an emotional attachment to it unless we have spent a lot of time with it over the past. So do we think that, that might be quite a significant barrier? So the actual art style itself? Definitely. Yeah. I, I, in some of the scenes, for example, with the, when the parents are eating and they're, they're pigs and they've turned into pig heads, um, I, see, I used to love this film when I was a teenager, interestingly, um, and despised it now. But I re remembered that the animation of these pigs being fantastic. Um, watching it now, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. If you, if you go back to something like Beauty and the Beast or Tarzan, I think perhaps the, the animation was cleaner, smoother, um, more detail in the forest. I don't know if some of that, that stuff was done with CGI, but... Um, revisiting it i don't think the art style is and the animation is as good as i remember are there other films within this genre that in your opinion uh do fulfill that detail that that level you know are there other anime films does does this film fall into anime is that the genre I would say I would say so. I, I was going to follow up with um. It'd be interesting because Matt, you mentioned that obviously you watched with your children, and again I've watched with with my little one, um, uh, Ponyo, mm. and I wondered. You know, I know that's a newer film, but that it was for me. It was a toss up between either Spirited Away or Ponyo as a, re mm. a recommendation because they're both probably the most mainstream. <laughs> I guess my neighbor Totoro maybe, but they're both probably the most mainstream in the sense that the Spirited Away Oscar winning um, mm. animated, the, I think literally the only traditionally animated um, film in that, or the most recent one in that category. Wow. And Ponyo picked up massively by Disney. So put out there and, and there's a very clear connection because it's kind of a retelling of The Little Mermaid. Mm. What, did, what do you think Ponyo has that, that, that Spirited Away doesn't have on reflection now? Um, I I think it has a, a clear understanding of what it's trying to be. The, the characters are more over-stylized. Um, um, they're, they're, they're more childlike, more friendly. Um, um, it's, I think Spirit Away was tr maybe trying too hard as an animation, I think. And it, and it failed a little bit. And I'll, I'll go back to them pig heads. I think, I think they've really put a lot of effort into them pig, pig's heads. But it's, it's showing its age, I think, slightly. I think just picking up what you were saying there about it, it failed, and it, it, I don't think it has failed. I think it's failed to hit mainstream, but I don't think it's failed because you look at it on uh, Metacritic, it's got a 96% um, yeah. score. You know, this, this film, people love it. And you can go on to any forum about it and people will defend this film yeah. <laughs> like their life depended on it. And the people really love it. And there are you know, whole forums dedicated to talking about how good this film is. So I think it, it clearly has been very successful, um, even you know, historically, but also contemporary as well. And, and so 
I don't think it is a failure. I think it's just if its intention was to be the mainstream anime, it probably hasn't fulfilled that part of it. See, I also think that one of the things um, that uh, not necessarily stands in the way for us as a different culture, but one of the things that they do in this is they take their time. Like when you first come to the bathhouse, you it it to me it felt like a like a ten to fifteen minute literally like introduction into the bathhouse where um, Sen as she, you know as she becomes known um is making her way from the bottom floor all the way to the top but they take their time to go through the entire bathhouse and it feels like a really really long time where nothing happens and you're supposed to sit there and enjoy the animation and the day-to-day goings-on of this fantastical um environment that you've just been thrust into because one of the things i really appreciate from the appreciate from the storytelling point of view is it because it's from the point of view of a 10 year old girl there is no explanation you're thrown in and you either understand it or you don't um nothing is given to you you have to work for everything and one of those things is you have to try and figure out what on earth is going on inside this building just by traveling through the building and there is no explanation until you get to the top where you get to the manager um sam what was the manager's name uh you baba you baba <laughs> I'm sorry, I, that, I love that name. Um, where you know, where until you meet you, Bubba, um, and you understand what is actually going on, and it's actually a bathhouse for spirits, where they come and refresh and re-energize. Um, but there's no explanation. And one of the things that uh, Miyazaki said was that you you should not have to constantly have something going on from a storytelling point of view to captivate the attention of a child you should be able to show something in such detail <laughs> and elegance that they are wowed by the environment that they're in now does that work so I was going to throw out something that I just I thought about was and, and this is going to be one of those things where I'm going to say this as a positive and then Andy and Matt are probably going to be like, well, no, Sam, that's actually why this doesn't work for us. <laughs> but to me, it reminded me of something like Mad Max Fury Road, which if you could literally just dial down the dialogue and literally just have the soundtrack and the visuals, you would know exactly what was going on in that film. You do not need any exposition. Cars go this way, then they go that way. People fall off them, things explode. That's basically it. And I kind of think for me, this is almost the same approach that actually you could visually, you get as much from this as you do from the, the, the dialogue. Um, you, 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 you can see what the progression is. You can see, you can hear it in the music when, you know, the sort of, there are parts, I mean, for me, again, there were parts that actually, it's so funny how different the experience is. There were parts that made me feel really kind of emotional because the music kind of like just really pulled it that when it when it's sort of pulling on those kind of heartstrings of moving from innocence to experience and things like that so but i completely understand that someone would say well that is 100 percent a critique sam if you can take away the dialogue and any kind of plot and then it still works as much as it should then surely that's an issue <laughs> interesting you're talking about the music there uh because i i i 
I have the, exactly the response you thought I would in as much as I, I actually enjoyed this film more than I enjoyed uh, Mad Max um, because in Mad Max, literally nothing happens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> at least in this, there was a story. Things were happening. You know, it was like Mad Max for me was just like, you could literally turn that into a two minute film and have the same story. Um, but the music for me, and you talk about that emotional response, the music is by far, in my opinion, the best part of this film. It is, the soundtrack is exceptional. Re and, you know, I, I would love to listen to this as an audiobook or, or just have the soundtrack to it because it is really, it's beautiful. And the, the, it's, you talk about how it kind of, you, um, you're emotionally on a journey, aren't you? You're traveling with that sound and it really takes you and you do follow it. Um, I think I just struggled to totally buy into that emotion because I just could not get on with what I was seeing visually. To, to answer your, your semi-question, Sam, I, I think I would have um, preferred it with no dialogue. And I, I, I'll give you a, a, a scene. Um, when, when she's on top of the, the dragon and they're flying back, it was towards the end, um, and she, she's laying on top of him, and she says, oh, I remember who you are. You, you've, you've saved me from the river. And that was such a, a whack. It came from nowhere. And, oh, okay, uh, that made sense. And then the scales came off, and it, it, that was beautiful. And I think I would have preferred to see that scene without without the dialogue so <laughs> you i think oh, you're right on that that felt to me that and i know that there are elements of dialogue that were added in for western audiences mm. i know that at the, at the very end i think there's a part that works that literally the final line of the film i think is a really nice little summing up for me which i think isn't present in the japanese version but yeah 100 that's like exposition 101 hey i remember the thing that happened and i'm going to tell you what when we've literally just had this beautiful image of her remembering being in the water mm. um so that that was an uh, that was a bit of kind of um tell don't show that could have been could have been avoided yeah can i just interject here when we watch this when you watch this do you watch it uh with japanese no with english subtitles and japanese audio or Dub or English dubbed or whatever you want to call it. I'm not a purist. I just watch it with the English dub. I know that you could go down a whole um, uh, rabbit hole of people telling people will probably be there'll be people be there'll be people switching off the podcast now. <laughs> I've, I've said that, um, but yeah, I, I just just purely because I think there will be some Japanese anime that the dub is absolutely terrible i think mm -hmm. with something like this which is kind of like the disney equivalent where typically you've got kind of top-notch kind of western i mean i think it's uh, john ratzenberger the kind of uh, um pixar good luck charm makes his makes an appearance in in the movie so you've got kind of like the the stellar um talent from from that kind of side of things so personally yeah i i watched i watched it with the um, with the english dub um, matt what do you do um, I, I watch it dubbed as well. Um, when I was a kind of a, a movie and music snob when I was a teenager, I would have I would have turned my nose up anyone who, who watched it dubbed. But no, um, I uh, I watched it dubbed. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I could get my kids involved as well. 
That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about the kids. I probably should. I've got two of them. Um, <laughs> I, I, when I listen or watch a film for the pod, I do it on my own always. And the reason for that being is because I don't like distractions. I've got enough of those in my life. Now I'm not a movie snob. I've just admitted that I am drawn to like the really big um, kind of like blockbustery action stuff as it is, even though I do watch a lot of independent cinema as well. And I love anime. Um, I love that you got into it, Sam, through uh, either Ghost in the Shell or Akira, because I remember watching both of those when I was a teenager and flipping loved them. But for me, if I can, I'll always do a little bit of extra homework. So I actually watched both. I watched it with the original voice work and subtitles, and I watched it with um, the uh, English dubbing. Um, for me, on this particular one, I found it more accessible through the English dubbing. And the reason for that was because instead of my eyes reading the subtitles, they were watching the screen and the dialogue is you know as as simple and as straightforward as it is it's not about that it's very much about watching what is on screen and i was able to access that better through the english dubbing i may have discovered my uh my fatal flaw in watching this then in that i went straight for the japanese version because <laughs> i thought that's what we were supposed to do <laughs> i thought if i turned up here and said that i'd watched the uh, watched it with the english language that you'd all be taking the mickey out so, uh, <laughs> there are no rules here there are no rules here so um no i, I watched the japanese version um that is a, a, a bit like i originally watched the film memento with my av socket plugged in wrong so i watched the entire film in black and white and so i missed where the the scenes in the past and everything like that i was just like, this is so hard to follow wow <laughs> wow <laughs> wow yeah that must have been mental to follow yeah i think we realized about halfway through and then thought we've gone far enough now we'll just do the rest of it yeah it's a weird director's cut version of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I, I was very much the same. It's like back in the day, I would always say, look, watch the, um, watch the subtitled version, um, listen to it in the language that it was supposed to be spoken to. Uh, even if you don't understand the language, you can read the subtitles. But for something like this, because all of the magic is up on the screen, it is something to watch as opposed to necessarily follow. I'm really glad that I watched it with um, the English dubbing because it allowed me to focus on what was actually happening on screen and the animation for me. I mean, I know it's 2001, but I absolutely loved it. And there is something, however, to be said for the, you know, how smooth it is and how far animation, even in Studio Ghibli, how far animation has come over those years. Um, when you compare it to um, oh, even Howl's Moving Castle, which was only like three years later, as I, you can already see the advancement in, uh, the the animation itself and it's staggering how far we've come and so yeah I think that that could also be a barrier so it's just it would be the same as me trying to watch the 90s cartoons that I grew up in or grew up with I've actually gone back to revisit some of them because we have got Disney plus and they're relaunching all of it and as good as some of it is some of it is rough like really rough Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Oof. I know I remember that being just the best thing ever. And I guess as a kid, you you don't spend as much time critiquing. You, you're not bothered by it. And also, you know, the developments have come so far. I guess that at the time was the best available, but it's awful. 
<laughs> I agree. I can't argue with that one. Transformers is another one as well. You look back at the animation on Transformers, and I just look at it and go, oh, really? Yeah. And I think this is it. I think, Matt, you're absolutely spot on in the sense that we've had so, so much advancement in terms of um, animation um, that it, it can be quite a struggle to go back and watch something that, I mean, for me, it doesn't seem that old. I remember the turn of the century, you know, the year 2000 and all that jazz. And I've got to remember that that was 20 years ago now. I'm like, dang, animation's come a long way in 19 years since the 2001 when this was created. That's a scary prospect, isn't it? That this yeah. is 19 years old, that film. Wow. 2001 was like just a few years ago. But I think it's a huge testament to how it still has a massive following. It's like a 19-year-old film um, that is an animation. Now, yeah, you get it with like, I don't know, things like Star Wars and stuff like that, but they're not animations. This still has a huge following, and it's an animation. It's and insane. It's, it's a very niche um, genre, too, to have mm. that, that large audience, that you know, diehard large audience is, is very impressive. And I, th I think there might be kind of a an element of this is almost for people that are going to get into anime. This is probably like kind of a gateway sort of entry level film. There'll be people that be ah, you've watched this, but you know you haven't even progressed onto you know all these other films that you should have watched. And but I I think almost certainly watching it as an adolescent, there were there were kind of things about it. I think almost that I don't know if I, if I was to say. Uh, you know literally two years or maybe a couple of years before um that uh i think the matrix came out and and not that not saying that there's any kind of cross i mean you can see the influence of say ghost in the shell in the matrix but they are if you think of like the themes of the films watching them then fresh as a, a, a kind of an adolescent they say so much you know about in terms of there's something about me that's different um there are you know i'm you know going through these 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 different experiences and i think maybe i don't know certainly maybe i have rose tinted spectacles on because th that kind of story maybe spoke to me back then maybe watching it now as if i was watching it as an adult fresh for the first time it probably wouldn't have that same kind of oh my goodness this was made just about me and it's like not yeah. also i'm not a 10 year old girl but maybe i felt like one at the time i don't know <laughs> <laughs> But there's, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. We, you know, we're getting older and the things that we revisit, we don't see them in the same way by any means. And there is very a, oh. sorry, there, there's a uh, whole psychological study about, about that and about how people see the, the, what you might term the golden era and what the golden era is to certain people. Um, and most people have this concept of a golden era of something as they get older, their golden era of their youth is around the time between the ages of 12 and 15. And it's all to do with the fact that your brain is making um, connections, emotional connections faster at that time. And so the media you're consuming, the music, the television, the film, the, the magazines, the books, everything you're doing at that time that's creating these emotional um, feelings will carry in your brain a much stronger um, journey through the rest of your life uh, simply because of because of that, because they simply were just making them faster at that time. So I think you're right in terms of 
as a kid, you do resonate with that. Um, for me, and this is really embarrassing, but it was Marilyn Manson was resonating with me. Imagine, imagine being an adult and admitting that Marilyn Manson resonated with you. Like, <laughs> it, <laughs> but it Matt was, just put his hand up there as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, you know, I, as an adult now, I look back at Marilyn Manson and I recognise that that's kind of you know, a little bit cringy, but actually it's a guilty pleasure. And I will put a bit of Marilyn Manson on as a 34 year old teacher, you know, mm. I do it. And so I think that, yes, you are going to carry, carry that with you. There is, you know, science behind it. And, and I would say that probably, you know, again, I should make it clear, very clear that I wouldn't have recommended it if I didn't absolutely love this. And, and I did find that I still absolutely loved it watching it again. I had a quite a long time ago since I'd previously watched it. But I wouldn't say that I'd say, yes, I can account for maybe some of that kind of golden era rose tinted gla um, glasses. But I did come back to it and, and watch it again and thought actually everything holds up um, uh, for me, certainly. Good. Yeah. And like I said before, I went online and looked through the forums and people are crazy about this film. They really do like it. And it, it is clearly a film. I am, I think, the odd one out here by not enjoying it. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that what I, my opinion is right at all, because there are probably millions of people out there who have watched it that have gone, that film's amazing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm wrong by any, by any means at all. Um, and, and I can see the appeal within the film. It just didn't appeal to me at, at that time. If, if, if you'd asked me yesterday um, to recommend someone to watch, I would have picked this movie. Uh, when I was a teenager, um, I, I adored this film. I thought it was really magical, beautiful. Um, it was a film I'd, I'd put on a, a lot. Um, but today it, it got shattered. I, it, I didn't remember, the story wasn't as wild, creative and, and, and beautiful as I remember and the animation didn't quite hit it for me. That's fair. No, I, I, I can appreciate because again, the, when, you, when you compare it, the animation in itself, as beautiful as it is, because it's hand drawn and the labor that they must have gone through to create that is phenomenal. But I think 19 years later, we've seen a lot of outstanding standing animation um, across all cultures because it's just advanced that much and I don't think personally that it has the same rewatchability as some of the older films that we like to revisit because I mean, I'm sure that you've got the ones that you constantly go back to um, from the 70s 80s 90s and what have you and you could watch them time and time again because for you it doesn't matter how it looks because it's about that emotional connection so it's possible very possible that unless you had that emotional connection from when mm. you first saw it as, as a youngster, is that revisiting it or visiting it for the first time as an adult, you may not get that kind of connection again because it, it might just have aged too much. It's interesting because I think when I think about the animation in this, in this film, like I said, I think there are things that jumped out to me that just felt that still feel very tactile in comparison to say, I know that there's a difference between say kind of like CGI and I, I, there's so many films that you can point to that have like things that are just really shonky or like, you know, a great film that just gets spoiled by something that is just completely un, just disconnected. And often it's, Often with like uh, live action movies, it can be the fact that they've had an entire film with, with real people and then they haven't done motion capture on some of the kind of crazy fight scenes. And you're just like, 
that is not how a human moves. It reminds think, me of the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the first yeah. one. <laughs> the first one, fantastic. Next one, that's not, yeah, that just doesn't fit. And, but then I, th- I know there's a, there's a scene in this where um, Chihiro has to run across a pipe and and I don't know if you guys are gamers. It made me think of um, the Uncharted series mm-hmm. or Assassin's like, Creed. I'm yeah. going to jump onto this. It might break. It's probably going to break. I, oh, it's breaking. I've got to get to the other side. And the way that she ran across as it moved and then jumped across, and then the, the pipes mm-hmm. sort of sagged as it sort of left there, and she's clutching hold of the. I was just like, oh, wow, that for me that holds up. That um, I was I was I was there with it in that. It, whereas in, compa- in comparison to maybe, it's funny because I think maybe I'm again fortunate that my daughter really wants to watch a lot of good animated stuff. Like she really likes the the classic Disney movies, the Pixar films. And again, I don't want to be a snob and say, oh well, you know, I I like Studio Ghibli. I don't like, you know, I'm not going to watch Disney because actually this is just Disney, but in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. So. I think maybe again, maybe I've come at this and sort of go, gone back and thought, well, why don't you look out for that stuff in some of the movies that you just never would have looked at it like that? Because when you watched The Lion King or when you watched Beauty and the Beast as a child, you weren't looking for those things, and you probably will find them just because it's from the the Western kind of the genres that you're used to. If that makes sense. Mm. I'd just like to clarify something. The the the, the drawings are spectacular. I, I it was the the set pieces, the the magical characters, um, the 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 little quirky things. I remember them being there being more and it feeling more 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 magical. Really, can we just talk a moment about? I I think the character is called No Face. Mm-hmm. What and why? <laughs> And that, that is one of the, and you were talking earlier about it being a PG. This film should absolutely not be a PG. This should be a 12. Like whoever said this film is a PG is, has got very thick skin and it is not. <laughs> that no face thing is like, that might give me nightmares. It's horrifying. And I think I've seen, I'm sure online, there was a, a, a story that went viral of a little girl who went dressed to her preschool as no face for some kind of like party or something. And the kids, there's like pictures of her on her own and the kids, like other kids cowering in a corner. Oh, they're absolutely terrified. I'm not uh, surprised. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it pulls into, for me, watching it back, you know, you watch things back as, a, as I don't know, with a bit more experience and you see like the themes are kind of just writ large where they were kind of, you know, uh, maybe sort of felt maybe a bit more subtle. But I think there's a there's obviously a very big environmental message in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt like, I mean, yeah, 100 percent. No face is freaky. That is like the notes I've taken just over and over again. I've <laughs> no face freaky. The noises he makes are yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. But then at the, it's funny. Then at the end, when he's eating his piece of cake and he's spinning on the spinning wheel. Um, and I think apparently there are some language things that kind of I think is supposed to be like modeled off of a silkworm, which has like a false face to, ah. to um, intimidate its um, uh, the, the predators. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I don't know whether, you know, maybe I'm digging into it too deeply. I, I f- felt like there was maybe a message of sort of maybe consumerism or capitalism mm. or something like that within, within no face. But once he got in there, everyone wanted to feed it and feed it. And they didn't realize that actually he was feeding on them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's how I read into it. I saw it as an allegory for greed um, and the the innocence that are in children, because you know one of the only individuals that is not tempted by No Face's offer of gold and everything that he's supposedly just creating is ten year old little girl. Yeah. Um, so that's what I got from No Face, but he's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Eating, well, everything from the spirits that surround him that are giving, you know, offering him all the food as well as the food itself. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Jesus, there are no words. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, I was going very quickly. One of the things that I've been noodling on in, in my head for a little bit is one of the biggest things I actually found incredibly jarring was the the music and the animation. So the animation in itself is so rich with color that it is like something straight from a fantasy novel. Um, it's so vibrant, so colorful, but when you actually look at what's going on, it's something straight from a horror film. And No Face is a great example of that. But when you actually consider what's going on in the bathhouse and these weird and wonderful and sometimes horrifying creatures that are there, it's, and, and then when that's complemented by this very fantasy style music, as like, for me, that was a huge disconnect. Because as, as a youngster, when I was watching this, 2001-ish, um, that I wouldn't have picked up on the horror. I would have only picked up on the color and all these weird and wonderful things that I'm seeing. But now as an adult, when I revisit it, I'm like, the music is from a fantasy, something that, yeah, you might expect from Disney. Mm. But what I'm actually viewing on the screen, as colorful as it is, this is one really scary place for a 10-year-old girl who has mm. no idea what's going on. And that was the one thing that I kept fixating on throughout the whole thing was the disconnect between the music, the style and color of the animation, but what is actually being presented to me on screen was horrific at times. And, and maybe again, I think another theme for me is the, that innocence versus experience. But as the film goes on that Chihiro, uh, you know, she, she, she grows and she becomes, she becomes the hero um, and she does all these things that at the start she would have never have had a hope of, of doing. Um, but maybe as adults, we see the risks more or we, we're looking out for these things more and we see the horror in, in life more. Um, this is a bit of a tangent, but it made me think what you've just said there. Obviously, I've watched Frozen quite a few times with my yeah. little one. And, um, and the, the song, um, I can't remember the name of the song. Um, I think it might be Love is an Open Door when you actually listen back to it and listen to Prince Hans's lines, he is basically saying, I am going to exploit you. Um, he said, cause she says like things about loving him and finding love. And he says, I found my place. Love is an open door. Hmm. And, and maybe I'm reading into that too much, but now I'm like, yeah, well, red flags. You should have known, like, come on. Like, but then again, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm just looking out for the, but I guess to tie that back in that maybe, we've seen enough horror tropes to go what this is you know this is something that you know i'd expect it's like i again wrote down no face with the frog legs and the frog's voice is just yeah. like when he's crouched on top of the sort of the dividing wall and you're, and yeah that is um whereas maybe maybe a, a kid would just look at that and go it's just a thing with legs yeah maybe yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get people commenting and writing in if, if i'm incorrected but i'm pretty sure um, 
in 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 the past in Japan, bathhouses were actually used as brothels. And I, yes, I read I have, about I, with the horror going on in the bathhouse. I, I think there might be some kind of metaphor going on there. So I, I think you're right. The two things I, I read about were that and um, the whole story about how you know she she doesn't. Um, uh, recognizing who your parents are you know that that's a huge thing in japan isn't it and about mm. you know family and and not straying away from your home and not forgetting who your parents are and when the girls marry they become part of the the man's family and and but not forgetting so all of that but yes that that bathhouse thing well there's a whole you know, um i probably could have read for days about it yeah and i I did spot on the trivia, I think it was IMDb trivia, that I think Miyazaki has come out and said something along the lines of just, no, it's just a bathhouse. It's mm. just a bathhouse for spirits. And maybe there is kind of, a, there is an element of kind of, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, kind of A-level uh, uh, sort of uh, discussion and looking at these things where you're kind of like, we've, we've got to find some themes, we've got to find something. Um, I, I don't know. I, but then it's just because he's made that because if if people are reading that into it then surely that means something's there the fact that you've watched it first time and 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 that's kind of resonated from the the but yeah maybe you could see that maybe there's something more seedy going on and what she's saying no to is is something entirely different to to what might be intended i, I just your point there about reading into things too deeply though i think that's an, an important aspect to a film like this is that it's so easy to sit and pick it apart and find a reason for everything when actually I mm. wonder if the people who were writing this they're, they're you know we're, we're gonna do this why because I want to and I'll, you know, I wonder if there is that element to it they're just doing stuff because it looks cool or it looks scary or whatever and that's fine isn't it it's a piece of art they can do that there doesn't have to be meaning behind everything True. And, and, oh. Go for it. Sorry, Sam. I was just going to say, I, I, uh, one thing I'd noted down was the fact that it kind of resonated with maybe some like magical realism. Um, some I'm thinking back to sort of like novels that I read during university where you'd read something and you'd have to go back and go like, what, well, that guy had a pig's tail. And it was just like, yeah, the guy had a pig's tail. Get over it. He'd carry on with the book. Mm. Um, <laughs> everyone knew him as the guy with the pig's tail in that village. And why, why is it a problem for you? Here's the plot. Um, and 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 it, I think there maybe there were elements of this where it was yeah yeah there's a load of duck spirits coming off a mm -hmm. you know a, a boat who cares that's just what's happening um, we're not going to tell you we're not going to spoon feed you we're not going to explain um, but also if you do push us there is no answer um, right. there is no yeah that that kind of approach mm -hmm. I mean and again that could come from the fact that it was storyboarded first and when you're storyboarding but not actually coming up with uh, a plot. It's going to be largely about what you enjoy as an animator and what you think looks good. Mm -hmm. And if that is going to happen first, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's unexplained. I mean, you know, if you know that it's going to happen in the bathhouse and it's a bathhouse for spirits, then as an animator, I'd be thinking, great, I get to come up with 30 really cool looking spirits and I don't have to explain jack about any of them. I just get <laughs> to revel in my ability as an artist and what I enjoy looking at. And so it doesn't warrant an explanation. And I actually really liked that about it because, you know, spoiler alert, if you've listened to previous episodes, I hate it when we're force fed information that I just either don't care about or, it, you know, the director or the storyteller assumes I'm an idiot. And I don't think that it warrants 
any kind of an explanation. Just look at it and enjoy it or not if it's not your cup of tea. And I think, again, on that theme, something that I enjoy from movies is when there are characters that you meet kind of fairly incidentally, but you would love to know their entire backstory. Um, and you're just given a kind of a little snapshot into who they are. Um, I was thinking of like K- Kamaji, the boiler man, who's this oh, kind of brilliant. spider <laughs> armed man. And yeah, I want to, I want to know everything about him. I only know very small things about mm. him. Um, and, and, and yeah, that again, that's what, what I enjoy from, from a, a movie, not where it's kind of just kind of bit characters. I want, I want there to be fully fledged characters who have everything going on behind the scenes, but we only see one slice of them. Awesome. Them, them uh, little dust mites in his uh, his his house are fantastic. And, and um, is that a homage to to um, uh, my neighbour Totoro? Are they the same creatures? I I did note that down, and I think it maybe is kind of a uh, a Studio Ghibli sort of what's the Jap the, the the kind of that cutesy. Uh, Kwai, I think that's how you pronounce it, type thing where it's there's got to be something in here which you can turn into a plushy toy and or, or something <laughs> like, along that line. You know, maybe it, maybe it's super cynical. Maybe in in Japan they'll be like, oh yeah, just trying to sell some some memorabilia or whatever. But yeah, I did think the same. I thought that that crossed over, and there was a few kind of um, the, those little kind of cute creatures. Again, the the when the um, I was going to say, say a spoiler then, but there is a small bird and a small hamster type creature that appear again, very, very cutesy. Um, and, oh, and I should, uh, sorry, Sam, yeah. just very quickly. I should have told you beforehand. Um, spoil away, my friends. We, we don't hold back. If we want to talk about the plot or anything, we, we go for it. Um, and consider this to be your uh, spoiler warning if you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, no, spoil away. We've given away the ending to a few films right in the first few minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Good, good. Yeah. And I guess if you're, if you've watched kind of a lot of the kind of Studio Ghibli catalog, you start to see sort of some of these um, sort of tropes that come in. Like, for example, not, I guess, characters who are sort of antagonists or kind of villains who get transformed and then learn from the transformation. I think that comes back. So the, the two characters that get turned into cutesy animals and then actually learn some, learned or become kind of friends. Uh, also, old women with warts on their faces is a strange theme, or old women with giant heads. So maybe there, maybe that's something that Miyazaki's got going on, um, <laughs> some some yeah. kind of thing there. But yeah, there, there's kind of like if you're into these films, that you will sort of spot the tropes as you uh, as you go through, mm. and and it's probably the same as if you I don't know you're looking for references in say the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever, um, that you'll just love to see those kind of things tying together. Awesome. So before we go into the final bits of uh, this particular pod, is anybody anything else that they'd like to talk about either specifically or generally? No. Um, Wonderful. Oh, go for it, Matt. I'd just like to pick out my, my favorite character, actually, and had such a small part to play. Um, it was the, the light that just bounced up in front of them. I thought it reminded me a lot of the scarecrow in Howl's Moving Castle. And um, when, when the, the light, they, they they whiffed up, the camera zoomed off, and the little light flimped around and waved. And I thought, oh, a little bit of magic. And I wanted more. What more of them little magical moments? I didn't get them. Did you think, you... I, 
I wasn't sure whether it, it was, but did you think it was a homage to Pixar? Um, I didn't think of that, but um, potentially, yeah, potentially. When was Pixar? I was, oh, no, yeah, Pixar was Toy Story. So what, we're talking 95? Mm. Yeah, it could be, given the time of this film. Good shout. Okay, so this is the bit where we, uh, we review. Now, obviously, if you're a first-time listener or for the, the, the purpose of, of Sam and Matt here, the way that we review something is we don't see the point in uh, reviewing a film against films from other genres. For instance, you know, critically, normally you'd be like, hey, you know, 10, 10 star movie, whatever, we don't care about that. Um, and we don't really see the point in putting something like, uh, I don't know, Iron Man up against the Shawshank Redemption. You can't do it, it's non-comparable. So what we tend to do is we think about films in a similar genre. Um, so whatever your base point might be, either animation or if you've watched the entire Studio Ghibli collection or you watch a lot of um, anime um, over the years. So individually, we'll, um, we'll rate it against other things from similar genre or the same genre. And we, we do it in a very, very brief format. We'll either recommend or not recommend uh, and we'll give a short explanation as to why we do or don't. Now, who would like to go first? Because <laughs> there's, been, there's been some very back, there's been a bit of back and forth on this. So I'm very interested to hear what people have to say. Shall I start us off? Go for it. Okay. Um, I would not recommend this film. Um, I think this film is about 30 minutes too long. Um, I think for people who are in the same position as I am, the people who like the same films as I do, it's, there are a lot of barriers in, in the way to enjoy this. However, during the course of this podcast, I have been made aware that most people watch it with uh, the English dubbed version. So perhaps that was, my, that was my biggest barrier. Now, I usually enjoy a foreign language film, but I just could not get on with this. Um, I found the fantasy of it to be too obscure, too extreme. Um, you know, my fantasy levels kind of top out at Harry Potter. And so uh, this was, you know, not even next level. It was you know, next galaxy. Um, and so for me, I, I wouldn't recommend this film. Cool. I'll go next then and see if I can bring a bit of sanity to this pod. So, <laughs> um, for for me, I thought that the the animation was absolutely fantastic. We've spoken about that at great length. Now, I may be a little bit more predisposed predisposed to enjoy this, and the reason being is because I actually, even today, with the advancements in animation that we have. I prefer to watch something that is good old school uh, drawn animation, not because I'm a movie snob, because I don't believe in that kind of rubbish, but because I actually enjoy that form of art. I love watching it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the animation that I grew up on, the old Disney stuff. Um, and the attention to detail was fantastic. The color is amazing. Um, I can definitely see where there are long stretches of nothing happening. 
And there's, yeah, and you're just supposed to sit back and enjoy what's on screen. And we've spoken about that a little bit. And so I think that that might be a little bit of a barrier to some people, but for me personally, I enjoy reveling in that kind of thing. I'm more than happy to sit back where there's nothing plot wise going on and you're just enjoying the world building and the environment that you're just uh, observing and, and taking part in. I, you know, the plot itself, the plot itself was not wafer thin, don't get me wrong, but you could definitely tell that that was secondary to the animation and what was happening on the screen. But overall, um, in terms of animation, Studio Ghibli, and what I'm used to these days, I thoroughly enjoyed this and would happily watch it again. I mean, I've already seen it twice recently, and then obviously when I was younger. So that's a big thumbs up for me. I definitely recommend um, if you're a fan of animation, and especially if you're a fan of the uh, the slightly older looking animation that's more more drawn as opposed to computer generated, nothing against computer generated animation. Don't jump my throat about that. Um, but I personally prefer the older style. Matt, go for it. So if you're getting into animation or, or Japanese animation as your first film, I probably wouldn't recommend this one. I, th I think there are there are there are movies that are far more enjoyable to get into i think the the plot in this is is poor um i would prefer if they left some of the plot out to be honest instead of shoehorning it in i felt uh, the animation is beautiful but it lacked it lacked the fantasy that 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 um other studio ghibli movies have i think um one to watch Maybe third, if you're going through the Studio Ghibli films, I would probably pick this in as the third film. Um, start with Ponyo, uh, How's Moving Castle, and then and then move on to this. Um, That's pretty high. I like that. As, music was fantastic. I I, I own the C, this on CD. It's 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 brilliant. Um, but I I was just very surprised that that my younger self loved it, and and 15 years later couldn't stand it really so I, I i wouldn't recommend it as your first anime if you if you haven't watched anime at all and don't don't start with this completely fair and sam you recommended so it only seems fitting that you have the final say on this one so go for it have i changed my mind um the answer is i have not changed my mind i would recommend it although i probably would add in the caveat that yeah 100 i would not you definitely need some parental guidance on this you need to make a choice as a parent as to whether you're going to watch this you do need to invest the time to watch it beforehand before you're going to just stick it on with your your, your kids yeah I, I certainly the 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 themes um really still did uh, kind of tug on the emotions for me the 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 visuals it it for me it didn't feel dated in maybe some of the ways that that um that uh, the experience was uh, for for you guys um so I think certainly I would probably, I would, I would most definitely recommend it. I would definitely say it is one to watch. I would agree again with what Matt's saying that actually maybe there are some that are more accessible in the Studio Ghibli um, uh, kind of uh, uh, backlist that you could look at. Um, but certainly it, it is 100% um, a recommendation for me. Nice. So there you have it. We are exactly 50-50 down the middle. So I guess... <laughs> Uh, you're going to have to decide depending on who you agree with and, and, and who you kind of side with normally. The final say is, see it if you want. 
Yeah. <laughs> as always, it's your choice. As always. Bringing wonderfully useful information as we always do. Um, but no, it's actually, to be fair, it's been really nice um, kind of going back and forth a little bit on something that we don't all agree on because I think, Andy, this is the first one other than a very kind of 50 50 from me on Aladdin. We've actually enjoyed every single film we've watched so far. Yeah, and part of it, I think, is that we were picking films or are picking films still where. We go, I want to see that, let's talk about it. And so actually it's been really refreshing for me to watch a film that I would, I don't think in 50 years I would have watched that had had I not been, had I not needed to for, for the podcast. So thank you for for putting me in a position where I, I needed to watch it. Um, I am sorry, I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, nonetheless, it, it's been eye-opening and, and really interesting awesome so before we um skedaddle um why don't we have obviously closing so what we'll do is uh matt and then sam if you want to um i was gonna say because i think you, you you've both got like your own endeavors um so why don't you uh talk a little bit about that get the word out there about what you're doing and obviously uh if you're on uh, any form of social media where people can uh, hurl abuse at you for not enjoying Studio Ghibli or, uh, or you know, disagreeing entirely with you. Sam, why don't you go first? Because you're, actually, you're yep. doing something really, really interesting on, uh, on Facebook at the moment, aren't you? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I think I mentioned earlier on, I'm uh, outside of work. I, my passion is, is writing. Um, uh, I really enjoy writing short stories and um, there's a, a long kind of history of, of the, this, this project but where it is now is that I, I run kind of a, a sort of an interactive kind of storytelling project where people can vote on the uh, experiences of the, the characters moving forwards in, in my stories. They're kind of short, fairly kind of pithy uh, couple of weeks. Sometimes it's literally a scene that will play out over a few minutes. Sometimes it's like maybe uh, a day or a couple of days or something like that. Like that I dive into a few different genres, but the project is called um, uh, Story Mex, um, uh, and you can uh, at the moment I'm running it through um, on on Facebook. I used to do it on Twitter um, a few years back. Um, it took over my life. It wasn't. It got to a point where it wasn't very fun, and it wasn't <laughs> making me any money. So I thought, you know what? I'd rather it just be fun and just not worry about the money bit. And so I am. Uh, uh, I'm planning to do another story in uh, in the next month, um, and uh, working on another project alongside it. Lockdown has been a challenge to be creative, um, but also I've flipped it around to trying a different bit of a different um idea not not going to share too much at the moment but it's something um that hopefully could be really fun for people that enjoy stories um enjoy kind of social games uh, kind of board games things like that um so certainly uh, keep a lookout for, for me sharing a bit more like that but certainly feel free to join in with uh, story mex and if you search yeah s-t-o-r-y-m-e-c-h-s on facebook you should be able to find the group where i run all the stories right. i've got i've gotten involved with some of them because you uh you throw out a vote to uh, you know what's going to happen next in the plot and whichever <laughs> whichever storyline gets the most votes that's what goes and it's really creative and really fun so no, thank you very much and matt have you got anything that you'd like to to share with the wider world um go on. no i don't think i do you know uh lockdown's tricky you know, juggling family and um, and being in, in an enclosed house, we don't have much of a garden, so it's a bit tricky. 
Um, but no, I'm just looking forward to getting back to work, to be fair. Completely fair. I think yeah. we're all right at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I am anyway. Um, <laughs> and, and he's like, nah, that's all right. That's good. It's good. <laughs> I think it's the difference between a job that you can do remotely and a job that you, you really can't. Teaching martial arts from home, that's yeah. been very interesting. I've enjoyed laying in the garden on my laptop. It's been pretty, pretty, yeah. <laughs> and Andy, where can you find parents on Pictures Podcast? I almost oh. completely balls that up. Yeah, parents on Pictures Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on YouTube. Uh, each of these podcasts comes with a video cast, which if you go to the YouTube channel, Parents on Pictures uh, Podcast, you can see all of our beardy faces. Um, but, Damien's slightly less beardy today than I you. did shave. Yeah, I did. I, it got too itchy. I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I could not push through that barrier. Um, but yeah, come and join us. And on all of those platforms, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to, you know, any feedback. And if you've got any suggestions of films you want us to cover as well, please throw them our way because, you know, this is today, especially has been brilliant, you know, a, a real eye opener. Um, and I think that just, it, it brings so much more conversation. Um, and I love watching new stuff and, and things I wouldn't normally watch. So let us know. Awesome. You can also find us on, uh, in terms of audio, you can find it on Anchor at the moment. Again, Parents on Pictures podcast, and you can find it on Spotify. And we are going through the lengthy process of iTunes bureaucracy um, to see if we can't get on there as well. So hopefully, fingers crossed in the future, we will also be on iTunes. And if you'd like to um, give us a, you know, a recommend or a little note uh, in the reviews on either of those platforms, it just really helps us get seen amongst all the big boys that are out there because obviously podcasting is becoming very very popular and it's something that we've wanted to do for years i'd like to say a massive thank you and a big special thank you to both matt and sam for coming on today um we'd love to have you both on more often obviously we understand timing allowing we're all very busy with jobs and families in spite of isolation um, and i think it gives a, a different a really different flavor to the podcast because like I said before, Andy and I are very much, uh, hey, I want to see this you know, new blockbuster that's coming out. And the two of you give a completely different uh, kind of point of view and flavor to the podcast. So I personally have thoroughly enjoyed having you both on this evening. So thank you very, very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Please come back soon. Absolutely. And uh, I believe next time, because what we're going to do every time you do come on, uh, either of you gents will get to pick. So next time you're on, Matt, it's your choice, which mm. is going to be very cool. You don't have to commit to it now, um, but uh, I wonder what you're going to torture Andy with. Or me, actually, because <laughs> you agreed with Andy. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, there's, there's a few I've been meaning to watch, uh, just finding the time to do it. That's so. Titan Titanic, yeah? <laughs> My yeah. Favorite. yeah, I was going to say, well, my next one might be Mad Max Fury Road now after those comments. <laughs> but, um... Spoiler alert, I loved Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> I don't know what Andy's talking about. Yeah, there we go. We're sort of Look that, at his that, face. That's... Doesn't translate <laughs> great on audio, but you should see his face right now. I haven't seen it, um, so I, I don't know. Oh. Well, really? hasn't, hasn't filled me with excitement. Oh, goodness. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, we should have seen it because. <laughs> nothing to talk about <laughs> be the world's shortest podcast <laughs> oh love it ladies and gentlemen thank you very much and we will catch you next time everybody say bye now thanks very much bye, bye. Cheers.